The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. Everybody came in and sat over here. You guys, you have plenty of room spread out, and you know, just don't take a nap on me, right? We are back in Revelation. Last week we we had a had a one off, but we're back in Revelation this week. Revelation 13 is where we are, and just to kind of recap, we're in the Great Tribulation time period. The the Last of days, Daniel's 70th week, we're, we're looking at how all things wrap up before the return of King Jesus. And when we got to 11, we saw the two witnesses in the marketplace, and, and they were preaching, and they were slain, and then they were resurrected. And at the end of that chapter, it kind of fast forwards to this scene where Jesus had returned, and there was this worship time at the end of 11. But then 12, 13, uh, yeah, 12, 13, and 14 kind of give us like what's happening in Revelation. Like we get some details here of what's going on. So it, it kind of seems out of place. It kind of seems like we've backed up the truck, so to speak, a little bit. Um, but it gives us who are these people and, and what is their role and what is happening. And so we looked at, at chapter 12 and we saw God's plan. We saw the woman who is Israel, that the Messiah was to come from her and and that is Jesus Christ. And so he came. We saw the dragon in 12 who wanted to devour the Messiah. He could not do that. Uh, he was enraged by the end of that chapter. It says that he stands on the, the sand of the sea and he's about ready to wage war. And, and so we've met the woman and the dragon in 12 and God's plan of salvation that through Messiah, all that would come to him would be saved. And in 13, that's where we are today, there's opposition. So we looked at the Antichrist already. We'll, we'll mention him a few more times just because uh, we'll talk about the false prophet today in verses 11 to the end. But we met the Antichrist, and we're going to meet the false prophet and the, the opposition to God's plan. And then we will see in 14 a proclamation uh, or an announcement from angels of the gospel. And angels are all over the book of Revelation. So if you do a study on angels, you're going to spend a lot of time in Revelation. But in 14, something really unique happens is we're going to see next week that angels are proclaiming the gospel over the world. And we're going to see a harvest that happens in 14. And that job is given to you and me today. Like, we are the heralds. We are the ones who go into the harvest field, so to speak. Our communities, that's our harvest field where God has planted us. We go and we take the good news and we proclaim that. And so that job that we have, in 14, we're going to see that God also gives that to an angel for a certain purpose. And, and it's, it's pretty cool. So we'll, we'll get to see that next week. But this week, we're going to finish 13, and we're going to have... Uh, the false prophet uh, revealed here. We're going to look at the second beast, and that's verses 11 through 18. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it uh, to Revelation chapter 13. Again, we put the scriptures on, on the screen for you to follow as well. So 
let me read. I'll say a quick prayer, and then we'll go through the rest of this chapter. So Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 11, it says this. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to the earth in front of the people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Will you pray with me? Father, we just ask as we go through this passage that your that your Holy Spirit would just illumine it. Give us understanding. Help us to, to see the purpose behind this revelation of the end of days. What would you have your bride understand? And what would you have us do? We, we pray that you would just reveal that to us today. That you would just show us more and more. We thank you for this. We thank you for this revelation you've given to us. And we ask, God, that we would uh, treasure it as we treasure all of Scripture. And that we would strive to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel because of the knowledge you give to us. So, God, we just ask that you would be worshipped as we study the word. And that you would come and speak to our hearts, encourage us, and uh, energize us for the work that you have us to do. We ask this in, in Christ's name. Amen. So we start here and in verse 11, and he says, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. So he uses this word, another. So we've seen that there was a beast that came out of the sea, and he was very much like the dragon, but he was not the dragon. And when he uses this word, another, he's done it with angels, and he, now he's doing it with the beasts. It's another of the same type or kind, but it, they're different. So when he talks about angels, he says, I saw another angel, a mighty angel. He said it was like the first one, but they weren't the same one. It was a different one. This is another beast, but it's not the first one that came out of the sea. It's another one that comes out of the earth. So he sees another beast. So this idea of beast being wild and dangerous. We talked about that last time when we were talking about the Antichrist, but 
he's wild and dangerous, but in a sense, he's going to deceive everyone. He, they're not going to see him as a wild and dangerous person. They will receive him for the deception that he causes and what he does. I mean, if we saw the Antichrist or the false prophet openly as a wild and dangerous person, we'd be like, I don't know if I want to follow that guy. I don't know if I'm going to listen to that. But he is on the inside, under the surface, he is a beast, wild and dangerous, full of evil, full of deceit. We see that there's demonic activity happening here. The first beast is, is given authority by the dragon. The second beast is also given authority and giving power. And so what we end up seeing here is an unholy trinity unfolding. You have the dragon who plays the, 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 the role of the fake father. You have the Antichrist who plays the role of the fake Messiah. And you have the, the, this beast, the false prophet, who plays the role of that of the, the one who testifies, the fake Holy Spirit or some would say a, a fake John the Baptist even. But you have this unholy trinity developing. And as we look through Scripture time and time and time again, especially as we go through this today, you're going to see that Satan is just a great counterfeiter. He doesn't come with anything new. He just counterfeits what God has already been doing. And so he tries to make it his own, and he tries to get, steal that glory for himself. And so here we have this, this other beast coming up out of the earth or out of the sea of humanity, if you will, and he's been given this power uh, to, to be the one who testifies. So it says that he comes out, there's two horns, he's like a lamb and he speaks like a dragon. So this idea of him having two horns, some would say that that's like a, a worldly system, that he's bringing this. The number two in, in Hebrew culture, and that would be that for the number of testimony. So he's one who comes and sets up a culture and sets up a testimony. He's bringing a testimony uh, that the world is to follow, to, to, to look to the beast, to worship him, to worship the Antichrist. He says he's like a lamb, and that this recalls in our mind that of Jesus, the Lamb of God. It's a, it's a sacrificial image. It's one that is, he, he's a counterfeit sacrifice, so to speak. It's the one that brings us religious ideals up to the surface. It's really interesting because man is made to worship. We all are created that way. Man worships whether he says he does or he doesn't. Even the atheist worships something. They believe in something. They follow something. They give their life to that something. That's worship. And so here he, he comes forward with this religious system and men are going to go after it. He spoke like a dragon, it says. So even though he looks like a lamb, he speaks like a dragon, meaning that there is demonic deception behind him. Now, nowhere did I read that he was a false prophet, but I've called him false prophet several times. So where do we get that title? Where does it come from? Well, as you read Scripture, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Uh, that's a great rule. Uh, uh, for you to follow when you're just studying your Bible? What does the Bible say about this in another place? Or does it say anything about this in another place? And we get this title because this is what Scripture calls him in other sections of Revelation. So Revelation 16, 13, we read, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's the other beast. 
three unclean spirits. We see in Revelation 19, verse 20, it says, and the beast was captured and with it the, the false prophet who was in its presence. So here we saw the beast in the presence of the other beast. That's the false prophet. And in uh, Revelation 20, verse 10, we read this. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we see that scripture reveals the second beast as the false prophet. He's the testimony of the Antichrist. He's the one who points people to him. He says, I'm going to work all these miracles to show that this is the one you should follow. This is the one you should worship. This is the one that you give your devotion to, this Antichrist. Antichrist. This is part of his role. So verse 12, it goes on to talk about a little bit more of what he's doing here. It says, it exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. So he exercises power and authority in the presence of the first beast. I find that really amazing. It's like you have them together. Uh, one pastor called them the, the, the demonic duo, you know, like Batman and Robin are the dynamic duo. They are the demonic duo. And uh, I, I thought that that's very appropriate because in the presence of the Antichrist, the false prophet works all of his miracles. He's that right-hand man. He's that, if you were watching a movie, you have that one guy who's kind of in the background of the scene, who's the real important one, and then you have the guy up front who's doing all the talking and doing all the stuff and, and making people afraid, and they're afraid of him, but they should really be afraid of that guy. Like He's like, I'm nothing compared to that guy, and you're going to listen to me, and I'm going to point you to the other one. And so he's up front. He's the one that's getting attention and garnering attention, but he's in the presence of the other beast, which means there's going to be a time where there's just awesome things happening, and these two men are seen together. Like, that's his right-hand man. So the Antichrist has this one who's with him, who's walking with him, who's around him. This is his right-hand man who's part of his entourage, and that guy does a lot of the show, which makes people want to worship and follow the Antichrist. He's given power. He's given authority in the presence of the first beast. And it goes on to say here, as he has this power and authority of the first beast, he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. So he runs around saying, you need to worship this guy. Look, he was dead, and now he's alive. He was killed. He was slain. And now he's, he's standing here with us. This is the one you should be worshiping. This is the one you should be following. This is the one you should listen to. Give your devotion and your life to him. And to show that he's the real deal, then the false prophet does all these signs. And so we see this happening. He's, he's making the earth come and worship. It sounds crazy. It's like, wow, he's going to make the whole earth, like it's going to de- deceive a multitude? Yeah. It's what he does. Verse 13, it says, it performs great signs. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. 
He performs signs. Matthew 24, 24 says this. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Even before, even now, false prophets, false signs, false miracles happening, but this guy will do them at a greater measure. He's going to go and do these things and deceive. He will perform signs. It says, even making fire come down from heaven. Now, who does that sound like? Who was a prophet that called fire down from heaven? Anybody? Elijah. Sounds like Elijah. And Elijah in 1 Kings 18, 21 through 24, this is probably the most famous part. He's done it a couple of times. We, we spoke about Elijah doing it when we talked about the two witnesses. We said one of the witnesses we believed is Elijah. At least I said that. You listened to me say it. Um, but we said one of the witnesses is probably Elijah, and we talked about how Elijah at different times had called fire down, but this is probably the most famous one. It's at the, when he's on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal, and it says, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord." And the, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. And so you had this scene on Mount Carmel where the prophets of Baal set up their altar and they're using their dark arts and doing all they can to get Baal to bring fire down from heaven and, and nothing happens. And in fact, it says that Elijah starts to mock them and and uh, he's like, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's away on a journey. Maybe he's in the toilet and he just can't get over here to help you. I mean, he just mocks them. And then when it's his turn, what does he do? He gets jars of water poured over the altar to have it soaked. And they had a trench dug around it, fills it with water. And then he prays and God answers with fire from heaven, burns it all up, laps up all the water in the trench, completely completely done. And then he says, or the people say, the Lord, the Lord is God. This is what the false prophet is doing. He's bringing a false sign, a false miracle to deceive. He's bringing fire from heaven. This guy, you should worship him. Why should I worship him? Well, watch this. Lord, if he is the Lord, you know, and then fire comes down from heaven. And the people are like, just like in that instance, they look at the Antichrist and say, he, he's the one we follow. He, we should follow him. So he deceives the people. They, 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 they follow after him. The point is that there are deceptions happening, and, it, and it's not anything new. This sounds like it's something new, but it's not. Look at Exodus chapter 7. This is verses 8 through 13. 
Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh. And it became a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just the just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and, by, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So we see that there's times where there are fake miracles happening in the scriptures. And they're happening even today. That's why we need the spiritual gift of discernment. We need to be discerning as to what's happening around us. Satan is, is crafty, and his goal is set on your destruction, on the destruction of those who do not know him. He doesn't have another job. Some people think like, oh, well, you, may, you know, he does this, he does his job, and then he's got this part-time gig where he, he persecutes Christians. No, like, that's his gig, like, destroying humanity. That's his full-time occupation. And he brings false signs and false miracles. He does all kinds of things, raises up false prophets. He's still doing that today, and we must be discerning. And so here we see it in the end times. It's ramped up to, like, I mean, cranking it up to a level 10. He has one that looks like a fake testimony, a fake spirit of God who's standing there before the fake Messiah, you know, and causing the world to worship. It's, it's something that has been happening since the beginning. And I think often the church kind of downplays that. We say, well, you know, we've, we're enlightened. We don't really think about the stuff like that anymore. There's, there's probably, you know, those guys probably threw it down. It's probably like, you know, the magicians. Like, I, I went to go see, you know, one of those guys. Uh, he made, like, the Statue of Liberty disappear. You know, like, or, or they make other things happen, or they make snakes appear. I, I'm sure it was something rational like that, and it was different. Like, we, we have this way of explaining things away and, and not believing that this is true. There is a spiritual war happening, and there's a demonic force at play. And, and so God even warns his people, Israel, about this. Like, I, I'm just bringing our attention to that if we think it's only in the end times. Like, no, it's happening now. There's stuff happening now. Look at Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass— and if he says, let us go up after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But the prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. 
even Israel, he says, listen, there's going to come times where people will stand before you and bring deceptions. And some of them were going to dream dreams and do miracles. And you must test it. Does it align with the testimony of God? So like even today, when there are dreams and there are miracles and things, does it line up with what God has spoken? Is it subject to his testimony that he's given to us? Because here he says, the false prophets will lead you away. They will do these things and say, let's go after other gods. Let's go after other ways of living. Let's go after other things. He says, that is a sure sign that it's a fake miracle, a fake dream, that it's counterfeit, that it's leading away. It should lead us to the cross. It should lead us to Christ. It should make us worship God more. And so we need to be aware that these things are still happening. They're still in play today, not at this level in the sense of how open it's going to be when the false prophets in, in, in on the scene in front of the world, but, but it does happen, and Satan is working, and we must be very discerning. Pray for the gift of discernment. Pray that God would give the church the gift of discernment in spades so that she is not deceived and she does not go after false things. So here, the false prophet in 13 is working miracles and he's bringing a great deception. Verse 14, it goes on, and by those signs that it it was allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceived those who dwell on the earth. So, by the signs, he deceives everyone and, and, and who are dwelling on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lives. So there's a deception, and he says, make an idol now. Make an idol to him. Let's put that in the temple, the abomination of desolation. Let's put that in the temple. So the Antichrist is going to walk into the temple and and make an abomination of it and declare himself God. And the Antichrist, or the false prophet, is going to come after that and say, this guy is God. Let's make an idol. Let's put it in the temple where where he stood. And this will be for people to come and worship. They will come to this idol. Now, in, in the Old Testament, the psalmist actually mocks idols. Look at 135, verses 15 and 16. It says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. And so here the, the psalmist is saying, Idols are worthless. Like, they don't do anything. They can't help you. They can't see your life. They can't, they can't speak. Speak to you and give you guidance. So what is, what is one of the things that the false prophet has the ability to do is, is this. It says that he has allowed in verse 15 to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. The false prophet gives breath to that idol. And how that looks, I don't know. I mean, where we are in this world today, that could very easily be uh, AI technology, where there's facial recognition and everything 
to, to boot with it. I mean, just has the whole deal, looks exactly like the guy. I mean, they're making robots now that look like people and, and are just amazingly, like, accurate. And so this idol could look just like him, can recognize, and it says here that they have to come and worship, give worship to the beast. So the image can speak, and it can recognize, and it can talk. And it also has the ability to give the mark that it was talking about here a little bit later. So how, how do people fall in line for this? Like, how does this happen? Like, a great deception like this. Like, how do you get the masses to follow? I, I mean, it was a question. I, I was just thinking over it. And this week, I actually heard a, an interview uh, by... Uh, Lutzer, he is the pastor of, uh, I didn't even write it down, and it just fled my mind, Moody, thank you, of Moody Church, and he's written a book recently about how Christians can stand in this culture, and it was like to encourage, it's an apologetic, and in his book, he was talking about clapping for Stalin, and he has two illustrations that go back to World War II. One is clapping for Stalin. There's articles called The Men Who Will Not Stop Clapping. And what it was is that Stalin would give a speech and the men would clap. And they just keep clapping and they just keep clapping. No one wants to be the first guy to stop clapping. You, you cannot be the first to stop clapping. And so how did that come about? Well, there was a speech that Stalin gave and the men were clapping. And one of the, one of the men that were there near the front who was a recognized uh, leader, he Finally, he just, he just stopped. Like, they have been clapping for a few minutes, and he stops, and then everybody just kind of dies down. And that man was arrested that night, tried, and, and killed for being the first one to stop clapping. And what it did was it sends this message, like, you're not to stop clapping. You're not to be the first to stop. Like, there's going to be consequences if you don't get in line. And, and in fact, it got so to the point where there's uh, reports that Stalin hated clapping. Because the people would just keep clapping and clapping and clapping. So he's giving his speeches, and he'd have a pause, and they'd be clapping and clapping and clapping. So Stalin actually had a bell, and he'd ring the bell, and it's like, okay, stop. You know? And so they would, okay, he rang a bell, we can all stop. It's like they were just following what they were told to do in that sense. And like they, they, there was great fear. And so they, they came in line. They didn't want to be persecuted. They didn't want to, to, to lose their life. He also talked about how the salute for Hitler came about. And that first started just as a small group of people. That, that, that's how they, they saluted him. They gave him honor that way. It became like this little thing. Wasn't a big deal. So you had this minority group who really was following and they liked all that Hitler was doing. And they were really giving him that, that praise. Well, it became that that became the, the culture. Like, hey, you, when he's around, you, you give him the salute. You, you, that's what you should do. That's how you should be. And before long, it was, you better give him the salute or there will be repercussions. There will be problems for you. There, they will come and arrest you. And so everyone then is saluting. Everyone is, is saying the Heil Hitler. They're all doing it. They're all in step. They're all together. And then the, at the end of it, you have just a small minority that says, we're not going to do this. This isn't right. How does that great deception happen? It's just like that. 
That's what happens in the end of the days. It's like you have a group that says, oh, we better do this. You have the majority who says, I don't want to get, I don't want repercussions. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to, I want to be able to buy and sell. I don't really believe in this beast thing, but if it means I just come and do it, I just do what I have to do. Without stirring the pot too much, you see it in our culture even today, how people fall in line with things. I'll let you fill in those blanks so I don't get emails. But it's a great groundswell effect. It just happens. And people get caught up in it, and then they toe the line. Whether they believe it or not, they just do it. They just follow it. So he's brought this great deception. He's got all these people following. He's got the world following. They're coming to the image, and they're worshiping the beast, and they're getting their mark. So verse 16, that's what it says to us here. It says, Verse 16, it also causes all, all people, small and great, rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So the mark will be on the head or the hand. It will be needed for buying and selling. What's that mean? It means whole corporations will get involved. They're going to be caught up in it. Jobs and livelihood are going to be dependent on this. There will be no tolerance. You cannot say no. It's, it's not that you just lose your job or something. You lose your life. You cannot say no. So you don't show up in front of the, the image of the beast if you have no intention to worship. You show up there, you get your mark. But if those who do show up have second thoughts and they decide not to, they will lose their life. Matthew chapter 10 verses 21 and 22 says this, brother will deliver brother over to death and father and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So in this time, those who are marked by Christ, those who are following Messiah, the 144,000 are evangelizing. There's a great multitude who are coming, receiving Jesus. Yes, people are still being saved at this time, and they're not going to take the mark. They're not going to follow. They're not going to get in line. They are going to be hated by all. Even their own families will turn them over and, and report them. And, and this is the situation. And so there's going to be this great groundswell of worship for the Antichrist. And again, Satan only imitates. He marks the people. He imitates that of what God does to his own people. Revelation 7, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So this is the 144,000. And so in the, in the judgments we were looking, the 144,000 were brought out and they are sealed and Satan just imitates it. That's what God does. That's what I'm going to do. I want to be God. I want that glory. I'm going to just copy that. And so you see that he does this. Verses 17 and 18. It says, So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. And this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for its number, for it is the number of man, and his his number is six six six. 
Now, that's something our culture knows pretty well, 666. If you ask people, they're like, what's the, what's the number? What's the demonic number? It's like 666. Like, that's something people know. But what does it mean? How do we understand this passage? Well, one way was that numbering was assigned to letters. So A would be one, B would be two. The idea would be that the total of the numbers of the person's name would be 666. that being said, there have been many that have been proposed as Antichrist and it, throughout history, and they're like, well, their name adds up, or maybe their name adds up, or their name, and it's just the speculation of how that works, it, it can get kind of convoluted, and, and it's hard, really, to understand it. Uh, another opinion is that it points, this number points to generally Rome in the bigger scope. 666 is that of Rome because there's six Roman numerals. I, V, X, L, C, and D. And if you add them all together, you get 666. So if it's Rome, then likely the Antichrist was Nero, and, and this is more in the past that has already happened. So, but we're saying that we think this is future, so we don't believe that it is Nero or Rome. Some would say it could be a, a Rome re, reborn, that it could point to Rome in a future sense of, of a Roman Empire being reborn, so to speak. And, and maybe for now, I think for us, the best way to think about this number uh, is, is that it's the height of evil. It's just the height of evil. Seven is perfection. And in the Old Testament, when something is spoken three times, it is the highest of that something. So when God is spoken of as holy, 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 he is the highest of holiness. He, there's nothing beyond that. So when we think of six being that of evil, of not perfection, and it's three times six, 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 then we have the, the apex, so to speak, of evil. We have the end. This is the apex, the climax of evil. And so this number uh, is one of those that as time comes to this moment, as we approach this, Eventually, it'll make sense. And we'll all be like, ah, yeah, and, and we'll get it. But what do we do with all of this? What's, what's the application? Well, in a lesser way, even today, people are still being deceived. They're being deceived by a false gospel. There's a lot of things in our world that say, this is truth, or this is truth, or truth is relative. Who cares what truth is? But pick your own. And there's a lot of different ways people are being deceived. And there's different ways that people are being told, this is where hope and life is found. But there's only one gospel. There's only one true gospel, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see that people are still being deceived today. They're still being deceived uh, by false idol worship and, and, and by false things counterfeit miracles and counterfeit um, works that the enemy is doing. We see that Satan counterfeits those works and leads people astray. 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan is actively blinding them, 
actively blinding them so they do not see. He is deceiving them. We have to be careful. We're told in the scriptures, do not give Satan a foothold. Even as Christians, we have to be careful. We can be influenced by demonic things, by by false gospels and false teaching. We can be influenced by false miracles. We have to discern. We have to test all things. We have to be watching our life and our conduct. Now, I'm not going to make a big, I'm not making a a Halloween thing right now, but I am going to say something about it. (laughs) We have to be discerning. You laughed at me. You're like, I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying. Right. We have to be understanding that the things of our culture that we let into our lives, they do affect us. And they do allow Satan to have a foothold. And sometimes it's just changing our heart attitude and our minds and the way we're thinking. We, we, we get pulled away, dragged away, and we stop thinking the way God would have us think. And we think more worldly. We think about the things of the world. Sometimes we open ourselves to the things of the world or the things of the enemy. And it gives a demonic foothold into your life. Now, the, the question, can a Christian be possessed? No, the word possessed is the wrong word. It's demonized. You can open yourself up to allow Satan to have a heyday with you, to just play in your life, to make it a playground. You can be walking in all kinds of error and wondering, like, why, God, does this happen to me? He's like, well, you've given him a foothold. Now uproot it and get rid of it because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have no fear of him. Get rid of him. Cast him out. Move him away. You don't have to be bound. But yet we so easily get entangled. It's not just temptation. There's more to it. Satan is actively working in our world today. So we must be clear on the gospel. We have to be clear what the true gospel is about how one comes to know God and have a new life with Christ. That it's only through his life, death, burial, and resurrection that our sins are forgiven. It's only by faith alone and Christ alone that we have new life. It's only through the... the should be. There we are. Yeah, I didn't know how much longer those batteries were going to last. <laughs> so we have to be clear on the, on the gospel, that it's only through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's only by faith in him alone that we have new life, that our sins are forgiven, that we are transformed and made new. We have to be clear that there's no other way to God except through the Son. He is the gate. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the one who, who, who makes men and women new. So we have to cultivate as well a worship of God that's genuine and sincere and built on the spirit and truth. I mean, that's what we, when we gather here on Sunday mornings, we're cultivating worship that is to be in spirit and in truth, that's genuine and sincere, that's brought to God 
that really points one another back to who he is, to these truths of the scripture. We're speaking to one another these things, encouraging one another, and we're giving him glory for what he's done. Like this is our time of gathering together and worshiping the true and living God. And we must test, test the spirits, test all the things that people believe. Look at Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of hearts, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And again, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is, this is the reality we're in. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. But in your hearts, honor Christ, as, Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So church, this, what we see of the false prophet and the Antichrist, point us to these scriptures of how we should be living today. We know where the end is. And don't be one of those Christians who just want to slap a bumper sticker on the back of the car that says, I read the end of the book, we win, and let's go about the rest of your life and do nothing about it. No, it's, I've read the end of the book, we win, but I know where we're going, and so I need to get to work using these scriptures to be telling people, to be sharing the gospel, to be in the armor of God, to be going forward and telling them that there's hope only in Jesus and not to be deceived and, and to be transformed and made new. Like, this is my top priority. We can enjoy life. There's a lot of blessings that God has given us, even in this fallen world, and we can enjoy that. But don't lose sight that we are on a pilgrimage. We're passing through. We're on a pilgrimage. This is not our home. We're going to a heavenly dwelling. 
And as we go, we are to bring as many with us as possible. And so as we go to our schools and our works and our places of entertainment, like sports and stuff like that, like tell people about the Lord Jesus. Live in a way that draws them in. Reveal that this world has, has sold them a false bill of goods and show them where real life is found. Looking at the Antichrist and the false prophet, yeah, that's way off. And as we're talking about being raptured, we probably won't be here. That doesn't mean that we just kick back in the lazy boy and say, all right, we get this to coast through. No, we have work to do. We have a harvest field that we're in, and we have people around us that need the Lord. We stand with me and pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. Uh, (laughs) The end of days, absolutely fascinating, Lord. Thank you for the revelation that you've given us a glimpse of what's going to happen and where things are going. So we pray, God, that we would that we would be busy about the king's business. That we would strive to tell people about the goodness of God. That they would come into the house of the Lord as worshipers and just we would be one people. And that we would have many, many brothers and sisters coming because we have gone out with you, Lord, to prepare this this great harvest that you have, to go and seed it and then also to reap what has been sown. People need you, Lord Jesus, and we need you. So help us to align our hearts with you and help us to tell others about you. So as we close, may you just be worshiped by your people. May we be one voice, one body, with one Lord. It's Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. 